Hello there, you're welcome to another interesting edition of Spot African Podcast, where we'll bring you the best stories um, within Africa, best stories um, that's making the rounds as far as Africa is concerned. Uh, my name's Oba Diola Amokomo, and you're welcome to the number one African podcast show. Um, as you may know, we are on the international break at the moment, where various countries across the world are playing uh, for their countries. Uh, in Europe, for example, the World Cup qualifiers for Qatar 2022 has commenced already. And uh, as we speak, some countries have played, some games have been won and lost, and some games are being played about now. But we'll stick to what concerns us, which is Africa. Um, the African Cup of Nations qualifiers is going on currently. Some games have been played. We've had some new countries that have qualified for the African Cup of Nations, which was supposed to be held in Cameroon sometime this year, but due to the pandemic last year, um, it's been put forward. So um, most of the qualifiers games have been postponed. And as we speak, um, a country made history today by qualifying for the African Cup of Nations for the first time, that's Comoros. Um, that's it. I'm sure it's going to be a very huge one for their country. But we will stick to the one that really that really concerns us now, right now. The Super Eagles of Nigeria will be playing against the Squirrels of Benin Republic um, on Saturday. And um, with me to review um, the Super Eagles, is a seasoned sport journalist in Nigeria by the name Tunde Koiki. Today, thanks for joining us on Sports Africana. Thank you very much, my brother. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. Oh, thank you very much. And what do you make of um, the historic and heroic display of Comoros, who qualified for the African Cup of Nations for the first time? Wow, that that that, that is an absolutely an incredible story. Uh, Comoros is just uh, a very small archipelago of islands. Uh, in, in the southern hemisphere of the coast of uh, Madagascar. It's a country of less than a million people. I think as of, as of 2018, uh, there are, as of 2018, their population was like 850,000. Uh, they have never, ever in their entire lives reached this height before, ever. Uh, and it's a fantastic story because um, I covered their historic rise uh, when they appointed uh, their coach, uh, Apu, uh, what's his name again now? I think, uh, yeah, uh, he's Amir Abdul. Yes, Amir Abdul, when he was appointed, uh, and everything that he and his team have uh, achieved over the last few years has been nothing short of phenomenal. This was the man who was just coaching him, I think it was in the fifth division in France, but he has done something completely historic. You know, and, and he said it to himself, he said it himself that uh, a lot of people were surprised when he was appointed uh, as coach in 20, 2014. I mean, he was a 42-year-old coach was struggling, uh, he had no real experience, uh, and a lot of people thought it was actually a ridiculous move by the uh, Football Federation of Comoros. But they appointed him when he was still in charge of a club known as Entente uh, Golfex and Paul, uh, a team in the sixth division in France. Uh, and um, look at what he's done now. He, he, what he's done has been absolutely magnificent. He's not like, originally from Comoros. Well, I, I beg your pardon. He's half Comoros and half uh, French. French. Uh, but yeah, half French. But it's uh, it's 
it was a move that was very uh, regarded as very brave then, and uh, it's paid incredible dividends. Uh, and the, for- the rise of their fortune uh, ever since Abdul's arrival has been nothing short of phenomenal. I mean, he started with a one-all draw against Burkina Faso, uh, who, who are very close to who are definitely miles above them in the FIFA ranking. Uh, there was that draw, well, goalless draw with Ghana as well, a one-one draw with the uh, Gabon. They nearly beat Cameroon in their capital, Moroni. Uh, they also won their first ever uh, away match uh, when they beat Togo one 0 away from home. Uh, they've even held Egypt to a goalless draw. So it's remarkable what they've done for a, a, a team with no star names in their national team. Most of the players that are playing in the lower divisions uh, in Europe's top leagues. Uh, I think the only player with any kind of experience of proper European competition is, um, I think, their striker, El Faro Nabuan, who plays for uh, Red Star Belgrade in Serbia. But apart from that, I mean, what they've done has been nothing short of phenomenal. Congratulations to Comoros. A lot of people might say that they only got to this height because of the fact that the Nations Cup was expanded to 2014. I don't care, they don't care, but they'll be, they'll be, they've, they've definitely earned their place at Africa's table of men. Even if you, even if it's been expanded, as you've rightly highlighted, the fact that mm. when you consider the caliber of countries that they've played against, Togo, Cameroon, Egypt, these are not minors in African football. These no. are countries that have no. played at the highest level. Togo has been to the World Cup before. They've been to quite a number of African combinations. Egypt, their veterans, Cameroon, I don't need to tell you what they've achieved. So they've played some of the best countries in the continent. So as you rightly said, I believe they deserved and earned whatever achievement that they've that has come their way. So uh, so they, they, they joined the likes of Cape Verde, Mauritania, um, Madagascar, who defeated Super Eagles. <laughs> I need to chip mm-hmm. that uh, at the last African competitions. Um, these are countries that qualified for the first time. And um, it, it goes to show that um, there are no minors in African football these days. I mean, we need to begin to take um, the supposed minor countries serious. Um, Very true. Talking about Super Eagles, uh, which is why <laughs> I brought you here today. Super Eagles are going to be playing against Benin Republic. A quick recap before we go on, so that we can build up from there. We played against Sierra Leone, a game that I felt we should have whitewashed um, the Sierra Leonean team, but. Uh, a lot, of people, a lot of people want to forget that game. We, 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 we were four goals up by first half, and um, by the end of the game, it was 4 4. Um, it was an unbelievable result, and um, we couldn't kill the game off in Sierra Leone Freetown. Obviously, they would have developed some sort of confidence, and we played the nail nail draw. So, um, it's on the backdrop of that that we're playing against Benin Republic. So, generally, what are your I mean, let's let's look at the uh, the, the team list. Now. Let's look at the team um, by by um, by their various uh, positions. The goalkeeping department. Uh, we've got um, uh, Maduka Okoye, and um, the goalkeeper from Enyimba, Noble, and um, uh, the, the, the touch. Um, the second choice goalkeeper. Oh, Francis Ozoho, uh, yeah, they skipped that mind. So let's look at those positions. Um, it's almost a given that um, Okoye has come here to stay. 
Um, even though yeah. were, there were eyebrows raised when he first joined, considering the fact that he was playing for the second team of Fittner Dusseldorf in Germany and was not even playing regularly, even at that. But he made a move to Sparta Rotterdam and his performance has been nothing short of spectacular. In fact, he's been, he's been touted by top teams in Holland. I have been one of them, so I'm so I gathered. What is your view in the goalkeeping department? Right, so um, I think, of course, it is obviously a straight fight between Madupa Okoye, uh, who is uh, regarded as uh, is regarded by many as established number one right now. Although the likes of uh, Daniel Abbey has a strong claim to that shirt, uh, considering his own excellent performances in colors of Kaiser uh, Chiefs in the previous league in South Africa. Then there's also Francis Uzoho, who uh, seems to be has who get a role has a tremendous amount of confidence in before he suffered that uh, rather horrendous injury a few, uh, a few years ago. But uh, he's been slowly but surely getting himself back to full fitness. And uh, that, I think, was what made his recall to the national team. Um, John Robo, who is the goalkeeper for AIBA, was also included on the back of his exploits in AIBA, both uh, in the CAF competitions club and also in the uh, uh, Nigerian uh, professional football league as well. I think he's just there for the experience. Uh, also to understand what, what uh, international football require, uh, being able to rub, rub shoulders with some of the biggest names in African football, not, not only Nigerian football, will also do him in good stead. Train alongside uh, Nigeria's number one and number two respectively, train under, the, uh, under a legend like uh, Aloy Agu as well. I think we will also do him giving a lot of good. But it's very clear that in, in this current setup right now, with the absence of Maduka Okoye, uh, sorry, with the absence of uh, Daniel Agbeyi, and the return of the of uh, Uso Francis, so it's clear that Madukao is really number clear number one. Uh, I think he's situated it very clearly. His performances in the colours of Sparta Rotterdam uh, this season, after he moved there, have raised quite a lot of eyebrows across Africa uh, and also in Europe as well. Uh, you are very correct in your uh, your submission. I that there's been so many rumours regarding the future in the summer transfer window. So his stock continues to rise tremendously. Uh, and he hasn't done badly, to be honest, uh, in the colours of Sparta uh, Rotterdam. Yes, a lot of people want to blame him for conceding four goals uh, against the Sierra Leone. I don't think he was at fault many of those goals. I don't think so, collapsed. He was the team that collapsed, not the goalkeeper who let him, who decided to go and walk about. So it, it is not very unfair for anybody to hold him responsible for a team conceding four goals the way the squad moved it. But in this setup, he's definitely clear number one, and I think. I expect him to start the next two, two games against uh, the Spurs of Benin and the Crocodiles of Lesotho. Um, we're going to look at the defence um, straight away. and um, We've got William Chusekong, Kenneth Mero, Leon Balogun, Chidoze Awaziem, Jamilu Collins, Seidu Sanusi, Olaino, and Tyron Ebwe. I think that's a pretty decent um, Lineup in the defense. What do you think? What do you make of that defense lineup? Yeah, well, um, quick correction there. Uh, uh, I think about it. Uh, I think uh, Kenneth Omero didn't make it. Sorry, apologies. Kenneth Omero could not make it. You're right. Kenneth Omero could not make it because of um, the coronavirus um, uh, being placed in Spain. There, but so you're right. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. I, I apologize for that. So. I'll skip. No, no, no. It's, it's, 
I, I'll skip that. But what do you make of the defense lineup generally? Yeah, it's a it's a pretty it's a pretty decent team. Uh, it, I mean, these are players who have also done pretty well so far uh, in, in their different clubs uh, this season as well. Demir uh, Jai's performance uh, in the colors of West Brom, uh, West, West Bromwich Albion, uh, have been pretty pretty good as well. Uh, and uh, you know, they, 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 he, he hasn't done badly uh, in the colors of uh, West Bromwich Albion. Uh, William Trussekong, uh it's been a hit and miss season for him at Watford, but the few times I've seen him, I think he's done pretty pretty well. Chido Ziawazi also doing very very well with, uh, with Boavista uh, in, in Portugal as well. Ola Enoto has also had a very very decent season uh, for Fulham. Uh, Jamil Collins in the second division uh, with Paderborn. Uh, to be honest, I haven't seen much of him, but um, I hope he's. I also hope he's been keeping consistent uh, as well. But Tyrone Ebuwey he has been another player that I've been incredibly happy to see. You remember he suffered a horrific uh, knee injury. Yeah. Uh, that uh, so, yeah, that saw him uh, run out of the team for a while. Uh, he had to go on loan from his team Benfica to uh, SX20 in the uh, uh, Dutch Eredivisie. He's done brilliantly well, consistently playing every almost every game for his club this season. Last time I checked, every time I checked the team, his, his name is definitely among the prominent starters. So he's done very well as well. Zaidu Sanusi, I think, uh, is uh, the squad who established. Number one, best choice left back right now. His performances for Porto in the Portuguese league and also the UEFA Champions League have been exceptional. Have been uh, the uh, uh, I was going to make reference to um, Seidu Sanusi, particularly. Um, okay. It's fair to say that he's probably like one of our poster players at the highest level at the moment, considering the fact that his first season playing for Porto at the top level, playing Champions League. What do you make of that? Zaidu Sanusi's story has been, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just having goosebumps just, just saying this right now. Um, he was a player that interested me when he first came to my knowledge when he was playing for a lower division club in Portugal. I'd never heard of him before. So I did some digging and I spoke to a few sports journalists. And you know, the, the stories they told me about this player is nothing short of remarkable. He came from very, very humble background. This is a boy that just a few years ago, he was a farmer. He was working on a rice plantation in northwest Nigeria. I'm not sure whether it was KB or Zampara. He was a farmhand planting rice with his bare hands on a, on a, on a plantation in, in, in northern Nigeria. And today he's sharing the same pitch with Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm having goosebumps just, just recounting this. This it, it, grassroots story doesn't get any better than this. You know, I, he never played league football in Nigeria. Uh, at a point ahead, I was also in domestic hand, uh, living with the family as well. But look at everything that he's achieved right now. And that is what we keep telling people about the power of sport and how we feel as well. We should do more. Mm. Investing in the sport is sport for the youth. This, this boy's life has been changed in ways he can never believe. The money that he has made, he has changed, he will definitely change the lives of his family and, and that of, of people around him. So, Zainu Sadosi is, is a story that is particularly dear to my heart. I'm so happy for him. I could not be prouder for everything that he's achieved. And I can only hope for the best for him. I'm hoping that, you know, that, um, you know, Porto will not, yeah, I know Porto is a big club, uh, arguably the biggest club in Portugal, one of the biggest clubs in Europe. But I'm hoping that this will not be the end of this story. Possibly we can see both the bigger league, probably the Bundesliga or, or the Spanish league, or who knows, even England, you know. Mm-hmm. And talking about, we, me- we mentioned Kenneth Umero earlier on. Uh, 
Um, the person that replaced him is um, Abia Warriors Adeleke Adekunle. Um, yeah. Fans. So, t- t- what, what do you, can you tell, what do you know about Adeleke Adekunle? Um, obviously, um, he plays for um, Imama Amakapabos team. Um, you know, and yeah. uh, what Imama has done with um, Abia Warriors has been nothing but nothing short of re- remarkable. I, I remember at the beginning of the season. Um, they started very badly. Uh, he was given the three-game ultimatum, which is usually the style of the Nigerian football administrator. Don't worry, that's oh, a, yeah. that's a discussion for another day. <laughs> but it turned Abia Warriors, Abia Warriors uh, around, and one of the star players of that team is Adeleke Adeleke Adekunle. And I'm sure Kenneth Raw would have had a chat with Imama. What do you think? Oh yeah, I, I mean he's uh, he's a decent player. He's a very, very decent player. He's an excellent central defender, tough tackling, no nonsense, built in the, um, the iron cast pool of uh, African central defenders. You know, he the game pretty well. He's not bad. Uh, some say he might be having a bit, bit, bit rough edges or rough edges, but nothing that an excellent coach cannot smooth him. Uh, nothing that, um, you know, a team that plays. Yeah, an excellent tactical setup cannot cover. I think he's one for the future. Uh, hopefully, with his, with his performances in the league, it might not take too long before we see him also make the trip across the Atlantic. Or maybe it's possible we might even see probably North, uh, North Africa or even Southern Africa pretty soon. Those are also prime destinations for a lot of talented uh, Nigerian footballers as well. The PSL, uh, the Egyptian Premier League, Tunisia, Morocco. So he's done pretty well and he's stopped can only continue to rise on the back of the uh, national team column. I don't expect him to start as well, uh, but who knows? <laughs> Funny things, stranger things have happened, you know. But um, like I, his, his, his case is also similar to that of um, um, John Nobu and uh, Anayo Iwala, the other player who's been called into the team uh, from, from the Nigeria Professional Football League. Just training with the with their fellow professionals, players that they only get to see on TV. It does tremendous amount of things for their confidence, you know. And if they have the professionalism to carry it off, if they don't have the unfortunate Nigerian malaise of thinking that they have arrived because they're trained with the national team, the coffee national team, it can only stand them in good stead. They will return to their club as better players, a greater sense of professionalism, uh, a greater drive and hunger to play at the highest level as well. So I'm, I'm really happy to see. Um, uh, 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 Adeleke, you know, Adeleke, Adeleke, in the international Thank you very much. Uh, one thing that bothers me, though, in the defense line is the fact that um, Gennafro has consistent, consistently, over time, um, I don't want to use the word ignore, but we have two natural right-backs, Olaidno, mm. who can play across any of the wings, but he's a right-back, and Tyron yeah. Tyron Ibuwe, I'll tell you this, is a trained, he was actually trained for that position. As in, when when he started in Holland, he was trained as a natural right back. In fact, I remember watching him closely when Nigeria played against Serbia at the Barnet Stadium, and I happened to be sitting 
very close to I mean the the spectator stand was quite close to the pitch so you can see the player and the off ball movement of Tyrone away is exceptional and I'm thinking this guy should be starting you know and I don't know what what you make of what you make of um, Kenneth Rod's um, tactical approach whereby he doesn't make use of the natural players in their rightful position yeah, well, okay, so it's um, it's an interesting concept, right? Uh, and it's, uh, it's not a new one. I don't believe many coaches over the years have always um, put players, played players out of position in order to confuse the opposition. I mean, the story of invested wingers is nothing new. They, I mean, the, one of the greatest exponents ever is Ian Robert, who is left-footed but played on, on the right. I mean, his fucking trade was to cut into the pitch, but it was nobody was ever able to stop it, and it worked wonders for his career. Another move might also be that of uh, a certain Tijani Babangida, who was a, a right-footed winger for Nigeria and for Ajax, but occasionally was played on the left flank. A case in point was in the semi-final of the 2000 African Cup of Nations uh, against South Africa. Remember, he played on the left scored two excellent goals in the first half that gave Nigeria the win. So it's it's not a new tactic to play players out of their out of their out of position. Sometimes it might be tactical. Sometimes because uh, for example, if you have a right step player played at left back, it might be because the coach recognizes that he'll be coming up against an inverted winger who is also left footed but playing at right back. So he'll be cutting into the pitch. Therefore, a right footed player will be better suited to track him into the pitch and instead of, instead of trying to track him down the flank, it's a tactic. So I'm, I'm not, I'm not, don't get me wrong, I'm not, I'm not, uh, <laughs> I'm not holding me for getting on the floor here, but I, I also agree with you why, uh, I also agree with you completely regarding the, um, the, the uh, I think he should be, in my honest opinion, without a shade of doubt, I honestly believe he could be, he could, he could and should be Nigeria's starting right back. He's very calm, very good on the ball, excellent delivery, super positioning, great tackling. He has everything. But then again, he's also coming up against a player like Ola Inok. Ola Inok, too, I think he's also a super player. The fact that he's ambipedal and can play both left and right back is also an absolute coach's dream, which means that there are so many tactical combinations that he can come up against. But if you look at the fact that we argue that Zaidu Sanusi is Nigeria's, in my opinion, established first choice left back, that means Atarone Ebuehi and Ola you know, have to compete for a single position. So it's a toss of the coin. Either one of them is an excellent player, either one of them is capable of starting. But some people also believe that, you know, Tyrone Ebuehi is a bit lightweight, he can't uh, stand the rigors in quotes of African football. I disagree. I think that boy is a baller. But, you know, it's left to get on the I mean, that's why we pay Ben the amount of money we pay him to make that kind of decision. It's, it's left to him. If he decides to set a line at left back and the Tyrone Ebuehi at right back, it's fine. If he starts Tyrone Ebuehi at right back and a line at left back, it's fine. If he starts Zahidi Zanusi and either one of a line or Tyrone Ebuehi, it's fine. Right, we move on to the midfield, um, which I've always had a bit of concern. Um, Wilfred Ndidi. Ogane Karo Etebo, Shemi Ajayi, um, Shewa Abdullahi, and Joe Aribo. What do you make of that? Okay, so um, first and foremost, 
remove that shimmyajai from he is not a medula. Don't let anybody tell you anything different. He's not a medula. I know that General Raw tried it uh, in one of the recent friendly matches that we played. Yeah, it feels like that. He's not a medula. And maybe it was because of the fact that Wilfred Didi wasn't available for that game. But for those games, I can understand why. Uh, and you mean, if you don't try this kind of thing in friendly matches, where are you supposed to try them? You can't try them in competitive games. Right? So Sebia Jai is let's 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 talk to ourselves. He's a central defender. There are players. He's, there are players who are well capable of playing both defensive midfield and central defense. I mean, football is replete with a lot of them. You know. Uh but I'm sorry, Sebia Jai is not one of them. He doesn't have the the, the mobility required to play in that kind of position. Don't get me wrong, excellent physique, but he doesn't have the tactical awareness and the mobility required to play that position. So, scratch Shemi Ajayi as, as a midfielder. That's not going to happen. Uh, but, but for the other players in that midfield, Joe Aribo, I mean, uh, I mean, what can we say? Scottish champion with Rangers. He's also had a phenomenal season. Um, he's done brilliantly, brilliantly well. Uh, Wilfred Didi, I can go on, I can go on and on about Wilfred Didi, who I think is probably one of the most underrated players in world football today. He's an excellent defensive midfielder. Uh, and I think uh, instead of Arsenal paying all that money for Thomas Partey, I think they should have made that investment on Wilfred Ndidi. That's my opinion. That's my personal opinion. Don't hold me to it. Uh, who else do you have in that midfield again? Um, Shewa Abdullahi. Shewa Abdullahi. Yeah, Shewa Abdullahi is another interesting player as well. It says that he's also very versatile. He plays right fullback and he can also play central defence. Uh, he can also play central midfield. Initially, he was he was a right fullback for the Nigerian national team, but uh, I think that's done and dusted now. Uh, with the arrival of the likes of uh, Ola Ino and Tyrone Ibuhi, there is no way, there is no way under heaven that he's starting ahead of those two at right back. No but don't way. forget, don't, then, don't, don't forget that um, when he was in Kano Pillars, Aslali went to Rikeshi, invited him for chat. He was actually a yeah. he was actually a defensive midfielder. Yes, he was. He was. That's what I'm saying. And, and his versatility is magnificent. And to be honest, every coach, every coach that I, I, I mean, I've done a bit of amateur coaching, it is an absolute delight and nothing short of, of an unmitigated pleasure to have a player that can play multiple positions. It saves you quite a lot of money in the transfer market. It also saves you quite a lot of headache uh, drawing up tactical formations and it can also be a lifesaver when you know things go alright on the pitch of play. If for example you suddenly suffer two injuries in the space of your first 30 minutes of your game, you have a player who is capable of covering two or three different positions. So that, that saves you having to make um, a substitution that you rather not want to make. You also have a player who if the chips are down, maybe you are, you are a man down, is capable of slotting into another position in order to ensure a tactical, an excellent tactical framework and stability, so that's great as well. Uh, Ogene Karo Etebo, his energy levels are superb. I, I, that's another player that continues to surprise me. In his time at Kano Pillars, he was... Uh, sorry, in his time at Worry Wolves, I beg your pardon, in Nigeria here, he was top scorer in the Nigeria professional football league one as an attacking midfielder. And over the course of his career, he's learned to play deeper, uh, and because, it's, like I said, his energy levels are unmatched, so his, his position in central midfield are also excellent as well. Can hurry, can chase. He's one of those players who help to keep the shape of the team. 
as for his, his position, his uh, call up is also very, very key as well. So it's not a bad midfield, it's actually quite a good midfield as well. Right, and um, we now move on to the forward position, which is which comprises of um, Ahmed Musa. Well, we've been told that is a non-playing captain. So, non-playing captain. So let, let's hope so. Um, there's uh, Moses Simon, Alex Wobi, and of course Simon Kalu is out. And um, there's Victor Oshiven, Kelechi, and we've been told that we have to put senior boy there, senior man, Kelechi. Yeah. Senior, 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 um, oh my god, I could have forgotten it. Senior man, senior man, senior man. And um, Simon Chukwese, um, um, Samuel Chukwese, and uh, of course, um, the third home base player, Anayo Iwala. What do you make of that? Okay, so Anayo Iwala, let me start with him. Uh, winger with uh, uh, Eva, he's also, he's also I, I, another, another gem, uh, Rob Diamond. Uh, that will require a little bit of polishing, but he made his performance also on the continent and he also in Nigeria for his body. I've also brought him to the attention of national team selectors, so he's definitely one for the future. I think he's really talented as well. Um, decision making could be questionable at times, but it's, it's uh, in Malaysia that a lot of leaders suffer, so there's nothing to be afraid of. I think I think it's uh, it, he's also another star with the just good. All these boys, all the just need is the requisite level of professionalism. Not their talent. Their talent is not in question. By professionalism, I mean when that mindset and that, that sets you apart from being an average player to a great player. I mean things as simple as as simple as you know your diet, um, sleeping and uh, the minimum of eight hours at night. Um, I mean training excellently, not doing drugs. Uh, those are the things that set you apart. And when you have that professional mindset can go for and I'm really hoping that he does. Moses Simon also didn't make this, make this trip as well because of you know uh, issues in France regarding yep. COVID-19. Yep. Uh, Victor Simon, now uh, this is a player who really still has a lot to do. He did well with Lille, got a, a multi-million pound move to Napoli. Uh, he spent part of that time uh, cursing at Nigerian journalists uh, that didn't go down well with a lot of people but I hope he has put his head down and tried to, uh, you know, kickstart his career. Uh, also suffered uh, from COVID-19 as well. Uh, lost his place in the Napoli starting eleven to Chris Merton, who is scoring goals at plenty now. So this is a man that still has quite a lot to prove. He's talented, don't get me wrong. Uh, I mean, we all knew that from his days as top scorer uh, in the 2017 World Cup uh, in 2015. Uh, and he still has quite a lot to deliver. He still has a lot that which which uh, a lot of people are afraid of, but I think his talent is really, really high. And his performance, his performance with the colors of the Super Eagles so, so far have been really heartwarming. Kelechi Henacho, Senior Man Kel, I mean, you seen what he's done in the colors of Leicester City this season. He seems to be on a purple patch, four goals in four games, including uh, his first ever hat trick uh, against Manchester United. That was brilliant to see. Uh, so he's, I, I don't need to tell anybody about him. Everybody knows his, his talent. His own problem has always been his, his mentality, uh, inconsistency as well. Uh, Gerard Ross said something once that I took very, very serious. Uh, a lot of people might have missed it. He said that he needs to stop. He needs to be a bit more serious. He's regarded as the joker in the team, uh, the one who has the laugh and everything. And he seems to be able to take, he takes that a bit too seriously. He's, he's a football player first. Not if they need a palace chest that they can go out and hire one of these sort of comedians. You know, so you really need to get, you know, knuckle down, 
and to get to your craft. And I think he's been doing that recently. But Nigerians, Nigeria will really like to see him produce this more in the colors of the Nigerian national team. Uh, Alex Iwobi, another sterling season in the colors of uh, Everton. Uh, it's been interesting how he's been asked to play in the myriad of different positions this season under Carlo Ancelotti. He's actually played wing-back. A lot of people have wondered that if was Gerald Raw, who actually played wing-back for the Nigerian national team, would he have agreed? I don't know. I, I can't answer that question, but I mean, for what we've seen so far, if he's actually been asked to play with the club, trust me, if your national team manager has to play, there is no excuse that you can give you that you'll be asked to play it as well. So, Samo Chukweze, another player who who breaks my heart, right? Two seasons ago, this guy was on the, his name was on the lips of the biggest scouts in European football. There was, I, I even heard that Liverpool were watching it extremely, extremely closely. Uh, but he's also flattered to receive. Not hasn't been consistent enough, but the talent is there. This is a player that if I had the money, I'd go and hire Ian Robert to be his personal coach because that is the that is the template that he should be looking at. He could be the new Robert. He could be Africa's answer to Ian Robert because he has the exact same skill set and the exact same ability. But he doesn't deliver on a regular basis. That's why he doesn't get into the Villarreal starting level as regularly as he should. Paul Onwachu, now this is another very interesting player. I've said quite a lot about this. Top, uh, I mean, what is it, 28 goals in 26 games this season? That's a phenomenal goal scoring record by anybody. And I'm expecting him in the summer. I don't expect to see him in the colors of Genki in the summer. Let's just put it that way. I honestly do not expect to see him. Uh, he was not originally on this list. He was on the standby list, but because the team players we knew he was promoted to the main list. There's been so much talk about how he doesn't fit into the Nigerian national team. It's not, I wouldn't say that is true, necessarily true. There are so many things to me. The Nigerian national team don't always especially play very well. So if, you don't, if they don't play well, the skills and talents of the players won't exactly show. Also, because of the tactical framework that they use, it's not built to, do I say, milk the best of his talents. He's a target man. And Nigerian national team doesn't really pay a lot of wing football, swinging crosses into the, into, the, into the box, you know. So, he's, he's just very curious. He reminds me of a certain Mario Jardel. I'm sure you remember that name. Mario Jardel, Brazilian, national, Brazilian international striker, used to play for Porto. Painting European, European football, red with goals. But, surprisingly, he couldn't get into the Brazilian national team. Under the likes of Vandalay, Luxembourgo, and others. I think the actual of those coaches, why can't Jada get to the team? He says, look, he's a phenomenal goal scorer, but he doesn't fit exactly into the way we play. And that is the same problem with Paul Onwachu. In any other team, in any other national team, he would be undisputed number one striker. So he's left to get on raw to look for a tactical framework that can bring out the best of his talent. You don't score 28 goals in 26 games by being a poor player. You have to look at exactly how how what what kind of service does he receive? Does he like it to, with his back to goal? Does he like it in front of him where he can run onto it? Does he like it to test? Those are the kind of things that a good team breaks down and looks out to find delivery to the front man. So it's all on get a roll. Like I said, he's the one place to make this kind of decision. And for Albert Musa not playing captain, from what I've seen and heard in training, uh, he's been killing quite a lot of players for a player who doesn't have a club. He's been doing brilliant. So if uh, <laughs> if Kerodo has to call upon his talent, uh, I'm sure he's ready to go. Mm. Right. Um, you, I mean, going back to um, Paul Onoachu, um, 
I definitely agree with you that sometimes a player might not fit the tactical um, pattern of a Bala coach. Um, I remember Steven Kiesling of Germany. The guy was painted Bundesliga red. He was scoring goals. But um, he only played once for um, Joachim Lowe. Um, Joachim Lowe doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't, Joachim felt that he doesn't particularly fit. You rather prefer to play the um, the Mario Gomez's of this world, Mario Gomez. You know, um, the likes of uh, uh, um, the the, um, the elder statement striker that um, has retired. Now. I can't remember his name of this world. So sometimes I understand that, but which now takes me to Kenneth Roy. Oh, Miroslav, Miroslav Kosta, right? No, no, no uh, Miroslav Closer. That's the one. Yeah, that's yeah. yeah. Closer. So I understand that bit, but that now takes me to Kenneth Roy. Personally, I've not been. I I supported him until after the friendly against England. I was at the Wembley Stadium that day, and I couldn't believe what I was seeing. That was when I concluded that he hasn't really have much to offer. My opinion, <laughs> um, you know, I think his um, pattern is a bit too conservative. It doesn't bring out. And, and believe it or not, I I think this is the this, this is the best time. We have exceptional, well, I would say exceptional, but we have talent that coaching will bring out the best of them. And I don't think Genefroy is doing that. And that's why with the issue of Onwaju, I cannot completely, uh, I can't completely let him off on that. Another coach, I probably would have, but because he's not, in my opinion, he's not necessarily delivering, he's not delivering, um, he's not getting the best of our players, and to be honest, whatever is achieved with the national team, uh, I mean, uh, winning thought is not is nothing for Nigeria and the African Cup of Nations. Nigeria always win, always we get to the medal table in all the African Cup of Nations from 1984, with the exception of 86 that we didn't qualify, with the exception of uh, 1996, 98 due to the issue with um, South Africa, and of course 2008. But every other African Cup of Nations we won bronze, silver, and gold. So um, winning bronze has been nothing. I, I don't think it's getting the best of the team, and it's game management and time management sometimes has leave less to be desired of. And he doesn't get to change the game. I don't know what you think. That's what I think about getting from. Well, Genaro will always continue to divide opinion amongst Nigerian football fans and Nigerian um, sports journalists as well. Um, I, I, I tend to agree with you when you say he's, um, he, he might be a bit too conservative uh, in his style. Um, he likes to play with his uh, hand on the brake a little. Uh, you get the impression that um, with, for a decent crop of, not fantastic, decent crop of talent that Nigerian football currently possesses, he's not getting the best out of them as well. Uh, you're also right when you say that uh, his time in the Super Bowl hasn't been spectacular. He hasn't achieved anything that nobody has done before. Uh, he qualified Nigeria for a World Cup. I, I mean, I'm always sure who did it twice. No big deal. Uh, I mean, he also couldn't take Nigeria out of uh, a, a group, uh, a pretty somewhat easy group uh, at the FIFA World Cup. Even Keshi managed that, uh, you know. So, and uh, he also won a bronze where the likes of Tindu Keshi won a gold. So, and uh, the likes of uh, uh, Adebo Edubi, they won a silver. So, 
he hasn't done anything spectacular. I agree. But has he had the best of uh, time with the Super Eagles? Uh, when you consider the fact that you know he also has been working under the tough regime, uh, salaries were not paid on time as well. But he's been very quiet and magnanimous. Uh, doesn't rock the boat. Doesn't uh, go to the press with his um, with his frustration. Uh, um, he, he hasn't done too bad. For a man, I think he's just the way. One thing I've always believed, right, is that if you want to understand the mentality of a coach, just watch his team. He doesn't even need to open his mouth. His team, the way his team plays, will tell you exactly the kind of person that coaches. If a team, for someone like uh, you look at Atletico Madrid, hard fighting, gritty, combative, what does that tell you? That's an exact bit of of the temperament of someone like that coach Diego Simeone. Look at Arsenal, another Arsenal Wenger, methodical, very clinical, superb in the passing in the final third. It, it, it was almost like watching visual chess, like watching combative chess, and that was the cerebral thinking of someone like uh, Arsene Wenger as well. And you watch teams that are very conservative, don't give too much away, you know? I mean, and, and that's really what uh, uh, someone like um, Gennard Roy is. He doesn't give too much away, even in his interview. You know, so if, I agree, he might not have had the best of times uh, with the national team. He might not have had the best at his disposal as, as much as he wants. Uh, he's not had enough time to try out enough tactical uh, frameworks that he's like. For example, uh, his reluctance to move to a, a back three at times when the game might actually, or the opponent might dictate it. You know, he seems to be a bit tactically inflexible. I'll put it that way. But has he done well at, at over 10? I'd rather give him a five. Uh, so he's been solid but not spectacular. Solid but spectacular. And, um, so what? Solid but unspectacular. Unspectacular, sorry. Okay. Thanks for that correction before I misquote you. <laughs> um, now, let's look at the games at hand. Nigerian versus Bender Republic and Lesotho. And um, mm. Bender Republic, um, one of their star players, that if there's, any, some, if there's someone that could um, crush us is Stefan Sessignon, who, who is extremely experienced. He raised the Premier League and they're not a bad, bad team. In fact, the last game we played against them, they scored against us first. So yes, they did. They, they can be underrated. And at the last African Cup of Nations, they defeated Morocco. Mm. So we can't underrate them. What do you think? Oh, Lekwire, the team with one of the funnest teams in African football, the Squirrel. The Squirrel. Yeah, actually, they actually, yeah, the Squirrel. Uh, they actually even tried. Uh, a few years ago, they did, uh, I think, uh, a national campaign to try and find a more befitting name. Yeah, a more befitting name for the national team. Something that would strike fear into the heart of the opponent. They failed. They couldn't come up with something. So I don't know what to say regarding that. But I mean, they decently, like you rightly said, they they got to the they defeated Morocco, got to the quarterfinal of the last Africa Cup of Nations. They haven't lost at home in seven years. That's a that's a superb record. Record. They have not lost. They have not lost at home in eleven years. Is it eight or eleven? Please don't don't quote me. I think it is. It's been that long. Eleven years. Yeah, it's been that long. So they're, they're a tough team at home. On the road, not particularly fantastic, but at home, 
there's something different, and that and that uh, really really changes. Uh, it, it changes the. Do I say it, it completely changes the um, the the. the Change it completely changes the framework of what we are going to meet uh, against them. Uh, don't forget, apart from Sebastian Setenyong, who's the captain and most uh, experienced player, 83 caps, 36 years of age, still playing at the highest level, plays for Gesser Beliki in the uh, in the Turkish Super League. He's there as well. Uh, there's uh, Jordan Adioti, who used to play for Olympic Marseille, now plays for us there. Uh, also uh, in the French, the French second division, and also uh, Steve Mounier, remember him? Yeah. He used to play for uh, Huddersfield. I now play for one of my favorite teams uh, in the world, Brest. Uh, <laughs> for reasons yeah, we cannot discuss. <laughs> uh, yes, yes. Uh, so for sporting reasons only, one of my favorite teams in the world, Brest. Uh, so he's, he's in that team as well. And there's a the dreadlock midfielder, Jesse uh, Almeida. I, I particularly like the look of him at Master Competition as well. He plays in Valencien, uh, in Spain. Uh, so it's not, it's not a bad team, actually. Really, really solid team. Uh, a good experience, mix of uh, experience and uh, youth as well. Uh, you know, and, and they're not bad. Many of them play in different clubs. I mean, some of them in France, in, the, uh, in, in Bulgaria, in Turkey. So it's a decent team as well, uh, and, and so I, I think it would be wrong for anyone to think that to just walk over to Porto Novo and stroll over to the Republic. It's going to be a tough game. Like I said, they don't lose at home. They don't know how to lose at home. They haven't lost at home in over a decade. So there's no guarantee that we are going to show up there and they won't turn Nigeria, uh, turn I mean, you know, put us over a barrel and put the lights out of us. So and even as this group already stands. It's not done and dusted. There is a, a very clear danger that Nigeria can still not qualify from this group. The last time I checked, uh, we are topping this group by just one point. You know, we have eight points. Benin Republic have seven. Sierra uh, have uh, have three. You know, if who says that Sierra can win their next two games, get six points, and uh, you know get um, you know qualify and get go through with nine points. You know. Who says that Nigeria can't lose our next two games? So don't get me wrong, that game against Benin Republic is very, very key. And it's all because of the fact that we played those two draws against Sierra Leone, the 4-4 draw at home and the goalless draw away. That particularly put the cat among the pigeons uh, and has uh, now made our qualification particularly dicey. So this, as it is now, our qualification is hanging into balance. But if we do beat Benin Republic in Benin, we get to 11 points and we, have, we, we definitely have qualified. Uh, but it is not going to be an easy game by any means. And they're going to be traveling by speedboats. Speedboats, yes. I, I, I monitored an interview this morning um, on the radio where um, Amadou Pinik was asked and um, he made some defenses for the reasons why they're going by that option. Yeah, of course, I don't know whether you must have seen the video that went that went on online when himself and Kenneth no, traveled, and uh, you know they, they, yeah, that one, yeah. they took it a test trip, you know. And he said something this morning uh, that you know he regularly with his family they go to a place called Lashe Beach, and which is not too far. That they normally like to go by speedboat and that kind of thing. So it's something that they've considered, and he looked at the logistical reasons. 
I mean, from what he said, it makes sense, you know, in the sense that um, by the time you get to the airport, you know, delays and everything. Meanwhile, when, once you get on the speedboat, within an hour, an hour and a half, they're about your uh, Benin Republic. I don't what do you think about it? I'm absolutely delighted about it. Even though the players are I'm, excited? I'm, I'm loving it. I'm, I mean, look, let's be honest. There are no direct flights between Nigeria and Kotonou. None. Do you know that? Which means that you have to use a charter flight, which costs money. Mm. Secondly, there is no direct rail link between Nigeria and Kotonou. Interesting. You can't go by the same. The road between Nigeria and Benin Republic is kind of, is probably, I'm sure the road between Homs and, and uh, Homs in Syria and uh, the capital of Syria again. Damascus. Uh, Damascus. The road between Homs and Damascus. I'm sure it is much better than the road between Lagos, between Lagos and, um, and, and uh, Cotonou. It's that bad. Back in the day, I used to take a drive to Madagri. You know, just go sightseeing out of boredom. Out of, you know, drive to Badagri, you know, go sightseeing, probably go to the market, buy a few things. I just come back. Maybe on a Saturday evening when I'm feeling bored in Lagos. I dare not try it now. The road is completely ruined and it is in the worst shape. And you want to move international players along that road? It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's nothing short of madness. And look, let's be honest. The Lagos Lagoon stretches between Nigeria and part of it is the Federal Republic. A lot of people don't know that. So it is a seamless way of travel. If you have a, I mean, if you have a, a, a large, you know, well, well apportioned uh, vessel that can carry the entire team, uh, you also have uh, probably the Nigerian Navy also providing you security. Because let's also be honest, uh, the the price of money is also a hotbed of uh, piracy. Uh, I mean, if you have that, it's a, it's a real way to travel. It's, it's a unique way of traveling. I don't know why everybody is so up in arms about it. It's probably because, you know, water um, travel is not particularly something we're particularly used to in this country. I mean, you have a country as, as blessed to superb rivers like the, like the River Navistar and River Benway, yet this, you cannot go by boat up the stream from Potakot to say Abuja or to Lopoja, which is nothing short of madness. But look at the Nile. And travel from Aswan all the way to Alexandria on the River Nile. And we have a lot of incredible, you know, natural advantages in this country mm-hmm. that we never take advantage of. And I think it's absolutely brilliant that, you know, the Nigerian Football Federation have taken a creative route to get into there's no many delays at the airport, no uh, drama with the COVID-19 or anything. You told your host that, that they were coming, you have the protocol people set up there, they get you up, they get you there, I mean, get you there, put you on the, uh, you know, on, on some buses, they get the bus to Portobello as quickly as possible. It's brilliant. I'm loving it. Great. And to the big story, the Super Eagles is back in Lagos. Ah. Playing against Lesotho at the Teslim Balogun Stadium. Now, for me, it's a case of half bread is better than none. The game is back in Lagos. I'm very happy. But I'm looking forward to when to be back at the main bowl of the national stadium. But, I mean, we'll take what we have for, at the moment. It's good that the game is back in Lagos. And, they, I mean, FIFA has, I'm, I'm sorry, CAF has granted that um, 30% of the capacity stadium 
can be filled out. So what do you think? What do you make of this whole arrangement of Spy goes back in Lagos? Oh, I think it's a fabulous idea. Um, I'm, I'm absolutely delighted about it. First competitive game in over a decade. So that's really good to see. Uh, I'm sorry I have to say going to the National Stadium that you mentioned as well. Uh, that's completely heartbreaking. Uh, that edifice is the National Monument has left to rock, decay. Uh, and it's a short of heartbreaking. Uh, I went there a few months ago. I stood on the pitch and uh, it was completely ruined. The tartan tracks were, were ruined as well. The stands, the, the, the seats have been completely smashed. Uh, a lot of passageways and toilets have been broken. There was uh, human waste everywhere. Um, there used to be, there used to be, so there's this um, tunnel from behind one of the goalposts that leads directly all the way to the dressing room. Mm. Call. Yeah. And yeah. Used to emerge from behind that tunnel. Uh, and there'll be and there'll be a huge uproar. Exactly. I looked into that tunnel and the water in that tunnel, I'm sure if I walked in it would probably be over my head. Uh, I'm sure there must have been a, maybe one or two crocodiles there. I didn't even mention it was it was that bad. It was in a a completely de- deplorable state of repair. Half of the roof of the great main sand is gone. It, it, it's shocking. It's shocking. And it's just a testament to the kind of people who are in Nigeria, whereby maintenance is not exactly high on our list of priorities. Uh, and just across the street, you know, it, it, it's so depressing that uh, at the other 70 World Cup that Nigeria hosted in 2009, the National Stadium, Suruleri, was used as a car park for the Tesri Balogu Stadium across the world. And just a few years in, in, in <laughs> just a few years earlier, that same national stadium had hosted the final of the under twenty World Cup that Nigeria hosted. Hmm. You know, so it's this this country can break your heart at times. But <laughs> it is what it is. I'm just hoping that some way, somehow we we manage to get things right. Now the Tesri Balogu Stadium uh, installed capacity of twenty five thousand three hundred and seventy five, if I recall. If I said that you can get in 30% of that, it's slightly over 7,000. The Nigerian Football Federation and Lagos State, well, the Lagos State Sports Commission have come out to say that they will not be selling tickets that selected fans will be allowed in. That's what they said. How they plan to select the fans, I don't know. It's left to the Lagos State Sports Commission to do that. But How are you going to select 7,000 fans? I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm just as uh, confused. And confounded as you are, possibly if I do manage to reach the chairman of the Gulf Sports Commission, uh, uh, he might, I, hopefully, he might be shed a bit more light on that. But what I just said this evening was that selected fans will be allowed into the stadium. How they are going to select the fans, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, but what's thing about the Nesimbaloku Stadium is that it used to have a, a, a synthetic pitch. Now, last uh, two years ago, well, in 2019, that pitch was completely ripped up and was replaced with some of the finest, luscious grass you've ever seen, planted from scratch, uh, cut water that uh, rolls daily. I've seen it done myself, so it's a really, really good pitch. And uh, the first ever game on this brand new pitch will be by the Super of Nigeria. So what a way to, to bless that pitch. Hopefully that hopefully they can get a good win against Lesotho uh, when they do play. So that, that, that really, for me, is uh, the highlight. But football coming back to Lagos, it's been long overdue, long, long overdue. Uh, and I'm sure that 
um, of, of, I'm sure the, the, the lucky selected 7,000 or 8,000 that are coming, they'll be more than happy to get their money. Right. Thank you very much, um, Tunde. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the pod tonight. Um, discussing Super Eagles has been interesting. Uh, you've brought some memories back. Um, as you were describing, describing the National Stadium, you've given some information about the National Stadium. And we hope the Super Eagles of Nigeria uh, all the best as they prosecute the rest of the qualification ticket to Cameroon. Thanks for coming on Spot Africana. Thank you very much, my friend. Thank you so much. There you have it. Um, that's the International Break Special. Until we come your way again next time, remember to subscribe to our podcast. Uh, you can reach us on all the major podcast directories like Apple's and we will really appreciate your comments and let us know what you think. And um, of course, you can get us on all the major social, all the, all the social platforms, um, Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Um, just type in Stop Sports Africana and you'll be able to find us. So until we come here again, we will bring you another interesting edition. Have a wonderful day and stay blessed.